Welcome, everybody, to the Two Point Culture Podcast. You know who it is. It's Zach. That's my main man, Chase. Chase, how you doing? What up, what up? I'm good, I'm good. How you doing, man? Feeling great. We got a lot of sports on the agenda right now, especially basketball. We're coming off our predictions from last week. I don't know if we're going to hit on a lot of these. Seems like some players that we talked about kind of shied away. Curious mm-hmm. enough, I noted both of our teams, though, that we do follow, we did kind of predict the outcome of both those games, basically how it would go down. You did say that Tatum was going to go off. You said that he was going to... Boy, give us a 50-burger. Yeah, you did say he was going to turn a clip on them and just go off. (laughs) And I said that the Lakers would... The way that the Lakers would beat the Golden State Warriors was just pound the ball inside. So that's kind of how both those teams ended up winning the play-in games. But let's not jump too far ahead into the basketball just yet because we got some nfl news that we really need to discuss let's get into number 11 uh who's been making waves since this morning on his interview with his interview with shannon sharp quintoris lopez jones aka julio jones has made it be known by his own mouth that his run in atlanta is over initial reaction before we get into the whole reveal are you shocked that he requested a trade a couple of, uh, what is it, a month ago or right after the season? Um, right after the important. season, that seems more. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about what they were going to do at the quarterback position and the franchise moving forward. And at some point, you're going to have to look at that staple and be ready to move forward without even that staple. I'm a little bit more surprised that he asked for a trade as opposed to it just being known because, I mean, unless Julio was aware too of what his salary would be against the cap for the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Um, I, I, either way, I was at a point where I was expecting to start the season more so seeing him in another jersey and praying for that because that week one matchup scares the shit out of me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I I was sort of expecting this to happen, maybe just not in that fashion. How about you? Honestly, it kind of caught me off guard. I mean, I know we heard rumors and there was definitely discussions in previous years of maybe Julio jumping ship, but this shocked me, man. Like when this, when Rappaport came out with the initial tweet saying that like, apparently this has been brewing for a while, it caught me off guard, honestly. I guess I always thought that he was going to be a lifer in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I thought that too. I, I, didn't really see him wearing another jersey, but fortunately that's the way of the business and we're going to get treated to that now. I guess it's because of Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we watched Fitz his whole career with Arizona. Every offseason it seemed like, is he going to leave? Is he not going to leave? And he just you know, stuck through it and continued on chucking and in my mind, I figured that Julio would do the exact same thing. Shut up and be a good soldier, in a sense. Well, to be fair, too, I was, there's a lot of athletes that I thought would never change jerseys, but clearly in the day and era we're in today, it's a little bit more frivolous, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Um, you know, I never thought it's the AJ Green inside of anything outside of a Bengals jersey, right? So it's one of those things that's happening with the times. Um if we're going to blame anything, blame the NBA. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we're at that time where you get to see, you know, it's kind of cool to see like 
the the create a team play player thing that we used to do as kids on Madden or NBA mm -hmm. happened in real life where these guys are like, no, I'm going to go play with my friends now and try to do something great. It adds so much more excitement to the league. There's so much speculation and media buzz now with these players requesting moves, whether it's Julio or Aaron Rodgers or even Deshaun Watson. No one's talking about him right now because of you know what's going on on the legal side, but he still wants to be moved, apparently. He still wants to leave Houston. If everything clears up, it's going to be tough. I, I personally only see him maybe moving next offseason. I don't know if an in-season trade, barring all allegations, end up happening. But this is, this is a fun time to be an NFL fan. But also, kind of sucks, though, if you're a Falcons fan. <laughs> right now there's nothing more devastating than i'm sure julio than hearing julio jones say himself no nah, i'm out of there well not only that the fact that they did draft a quarterback they took kyle pitts which by the way let's be honest you and i both agree that was probably the smart move on their part it was um we're gonna talk about what highlight one thing about kyle pitts mm -hmm. and it's only been kind of I've kind of only started paying attention to it a little bit more recently, but can we right. talk about how maybe he develops it later, but it's a little bit early to put him in this tier with Kelsey Gronk and be, but primarily from one skill set that we don't see a lot of, and that's his blocking. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to like having those guys out there, Kittle, Kelsey, that's, that's having an extra lineman out there that turns into a weapon on, on the receiving end. Um, yeah. We don't know about that yet with Pitts, and I'm not trying to say that he can't be that or won't be that, but right now the it's almost like they're expecting him to be a guaranteed superstar and perform like them. Well, it's not even a guarantee that he's going to be the tight end one over there. That too. I know they, they drafted him as that, and I would imagine that once training camp rolls around and he starts getting integrated into the offense, plus, you know, week to week through practices and all that, the playbook will start to develop around him. Eventually, right. he will be the number one, but there's no guarantee that he brings more to the team than Hayden Hurst does, right? That's now. right. I just find it kind of sucks if you're a Falcons fan because you get pits and immediately you're thinking, what a great offense we're going to have. This is going to be one of the more explosive offenses in all of the NFL. And then all of a sudden, your star wide receiver just says, hey, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. It's kicking the groin if you're a Falcons fan. Once again, my my sympathies and my my empathies go towards all the Atlanta Falcons fans that probably feel the pain and have that 11 jersey hanging up. This is going to be a changing of the tides, man. And to what you said earlier, Tom Brady comes to the NFC and look at all the shit that happens now and just start shaking shit left and right. Every yeah, I feel like every player, every player is just like, you know what? He's coming to the NFC. Everybody wants to go to Tampa. I'm out. Let's go to the AFC. Let's just get out of here. Oh, he went to, he left New England. Oh, no, all bets are off now. We can do anything we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like Rodgers is doing the same thing too. Oh, for sure. He's supposed to be making an interview tonight where he discusses um, what's happening in Green Bay and what he, what might be his future. I don't see him retiring in an interview, but if he does, no. that's. <laughs> I'll say this about Rodgers. I, feel like he's probably going to say everything without saying one thing it's going to be a lot, a lot of vague answers exactly and a lot of read in between the lines it's going to be all about body language more than 
what his actual words are. So that, that could be an interesting interview. But back to Julio. Before we get started on potential destinations, because obviously we're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, have to. What did you think of how the news broke? How does that make you feel? Because the initial reaction I had versus the one that I had, say, five minutes later, varied quite a bit. Okay. So first, hearing it, um, well, not hearing it. The first thing I did was I read it. Right. So I was like, oh, he's just talking openly about this. Like, this is this is over, over. It's done. It's a wrap. He's, he's saying it publicly. He doesn't even care. But then when I watched the clip, I don't know if Julio, Julio knew he was on TV. Yes. I don't think he knew he was being, and I think that that's a dangerous game, especially for somebody like Shannon Sharp, who, yes, he's valued highly in the media in his right. second part of his career, but there's a reason why he's valued, and it's because of these relationships. And these are things that he has to disclose if he hadn't disclosed this already. Now, we're also assuming something that, because before Shannon did that, he did send Julio a text. So sure. we don't know the context of that text. We don't know if Julio was made aware of things. We just know that mm-hmm. we're we're kind of left in that gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't know he was on TV, though, that kind of changes my view of things. And that could give a little bit of bad PR. But then at the end of the day, it's not really going to hurt his value because it's Julio Jones. So I was like you, but I didn't read it. I actually saw the clip first. And while I was watching it, I thought because of the time stamp, I guess, of the video, I thought that it was indicated beforehand that he knew he was on the show Mm -hmm. until I don't recall her name on Undisputed. But until she said during while Sharp was on the phone, she says, make sure that he knows that he's on Undisputed. And that's when it dawned on me. And that's when I said, oh this could be bad. Like this could have some issues and this could have some problems because the way that he answered those questions. It's like I was kicking it with you off, Mike. (laughs) Yes. But not only that, if you're one of those teams that are circling for him and are looking at him, kind of got to question the character a little bit. No. And why so? Okay. You know that right now people are talking about you. You know that you're in the media for alleged trade rumor requests right and you just pictured in a dallas cowboys shirt like right yeah yeah and then like him or not i know he's your your buddy and all but shannon calls you out of nowhere or like you said sends you a text message and calls you you should still be a little bit worried that this is still a media member right like this is i don't know i just find like but at the same time if you listen to julio and when he answered that call, he sounded very loose, like very, like not expecting the TV edge of it. Cause when he calls him, he's just like, yo, I'm on my way to my brother's place. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just think that for some people it, it might, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying this is going to be a flag and that nobody's going to trade for him or anything like that. I, I won't go that far, but I think a little, a couple of executives will probably look at that and go, okay, if we do get this player, like we also have to realize that, you know, he's not game business 24 seven all the time. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but right. maybe in the Bucks locker room, that's a different story. Right. 
or at the end of the day, I guess it depends on the organization too. To well, I'll play the other side of this. I don't think that this hurts Julio Jones too much because you know, not for nothing. I, I'm sure Julio Jones is media prepped. I'm sure he's well aware of how to speak in certain manners. I think this puts more of an influx on Shannon Sharp than it does on Julio Jones. You could maybe even argue that this is all calculated, just because too. because of the cow the the Cowboys sweater that he posted. Now the phone call, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is his way of Pu- kind of publicly pull- saying Dallas, no, I'm not coming to y'all, so don't bother calling to offer anything for me. I'm out. No. <laughs> Or just drumming up interest to get his name out there to build the brand. So once that deal does go down, whoever gets him is excited. And you know what I mean? It, it's a bigger deal than what it what it could be. Listen, it's Julio Jones. I get it. He's one of the best receivers, at least of this generation. But he's also 32 years old. Let's, yeah. let's not beat around the bush here. You know, some fans might get him and go, well, he's washed. I don't want him, you know, or uh, he's too expensive for the contract versus what he can give us. He's injury prone. There's so many question marks. Hamstring every year. Last year, he played nine games. Uh, right. I, I know his salary. Actually, his salary is not that bad over the next, like, three years. It's 15, 11, and 11. But when you have teams that are tied up against the cap with COVID, different story, too. That's, right? that's where you blame Jerry Jones for signing Amari Cooper to $21 million a year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, just back to that point, how do I keep the allure of the brand, of the Julio brand? Well, if I start, you know, posting pictures of me wearing different brand, um, different teams, if I start coming out a little bit more, whoever gets me, they're going to see this and be like, wow, that was a, a huge asset. Like there was a multiple teams that really wanted this guy getting him. That's going to push my team over the edge. I got to get a Julio J- uh, Jones jersey. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think from a marketing standpoint. It's kind of a brilliant move. <laughs> okay. Let, let's look at this too, though, from the organizational standpoint. You know Julio Jones. You know what that player brings to your offense. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying for the first rounder because we've heard that that was the asking price that the Falcons were looking for. Which but if the price is right, what, what, what wouldn't you trade for Julio Jones? Because remember, you have to remember the upside of this. This is Julio Jones we're talking about. And his worst day is a lot better than a lot of people's best days. True. But let's keep in mind, too, that you're seeing more and more these successful teams in the NFL have good young receivers who haven't had that big contract yet. Mm -hmm. You can build in other aspects. Taking on Julio is a massive step could be a calculated gamble because while yeah you are paying the guy to make plays at the end of the day you're not throwing him the ball every single time i'll tell you this julio jones in new england is a scary thought well i was just about to get to this (laughs) (laughs) funny you say that let's talk about some potential teams that definitely be interested in julio jones which is funny because i say that and i personally believe that there's probably 31 teams that would at least have some varying degree of interest in him but who would you say is the best fit? And I'm going to go with some of the names that we saw that came up on day one last week when these rumors started to circulate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys being one of them, the Colts. I've heard speculation before that they wanted to link Carson Wentz with Julio Jones when Carson was in Philly. So that doesn't really surprise me. I also think Frank Reich was a big part of that too. So I mean, there's the big weapon. I understand T.Y. Hilton, but 
It's Julio Jones, man. Well, that's the problem with the Colts right now is the possession receiver mm-hmm. is, I wouldn't say non-existent, but they're basically leaning towards having Pittman be that possession receiver. Right. And that's a big, like, that's a big ask for a guy who's in your, his second year in the NFL and with a quarterback that he hasn't, you know, had any success with whatsoever. Right. For sure. Now, if you add Julio, you're going to say, well, that's the same thing. It's, but Julio's a bit different. Julio has played in the league before. He'd be a big target in the end zone. So yeah, it definitely does fit what the Colts want. Plus Ursay has came out and said he wanted a big time weapon, right? Right. And even if he's not a threat in the red zone, because we know that those touchdown numbers aren't high, what he does per yards is more than enough. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Would it be a great ad? Absolutely. I agree. But I don't know if it's going to work financially for the Colts. Mm. There are some issues the Colts need to sign. They, they got to sign some guys right now. And it's nobody small. It's it's big players. You're talking about Darius Leonard. You're talking about, you know, well, Q, right. eight, I should say. Uh, Braden Smith, too, the right tackle. You got to lock those guys up first. And then, like you said, what's the ask? Yeah. As far as I'm what? concerned right now, Colts don't have a first or a second round pick next year. Right. You, Thanks for that, by the way. Yeah, no, it's, but it's true though. That's that's kind of the elephant in the room right now. What's Julio's real value? And until I know what it is, it's kind of hard to say where he's going to go. And to that point as well, our Atlanta uh, Atlanta Falcons insider has yeah. given me the info of saying we can't even afford to, and I'm paraphrasing here, but we can't even afford to sign our rookies, our rookies that we just drafted. Like we had, we don't have the cap space. So much like Kyle Fuller, unfortunately, even the greats like Julio Jones can be a casualty of cap space and why this can be trending this way. Well, on that end, it's more quantity over quality at that point in time. True. True. Do I want one megastar player or do I need this plethora crop that I just tried to bring in? Absolutely. And you, you fill other holes because once again, like I said, uh, Julio, I love the guy. I think he's a great receiver. Definitely one of the best receivers, at least in this, you know, modern generation. Hands down. Hands down. You can make an argument. He's might be one of the greatest of all time. Once he, once the full career goes full circle, right? I'm going to even stretch this. You could even say that he made Matt Ryan. Fair. This is also so, a day, very dangerous take, Zach, because we haven't seen Julio without Matt Ryan, just like we haven't seen Matt Ryan without Julio for a season. So we got to be careful of this. Exactly. And I'm definitely playing with fire on this one. Because, how hard are you going to make this take? Well, no, it's just because Matt Ryan also has Calvin Ridley and he has right. Kyle Pitts. Like he has other weapons. So even if those numbers come back and you go, well, he looked really good last year without Julio. It's like, well, he also had these, but that could be said with anybody. I mean, you could make that argument for almost everyone, but Tom Brady, it seems just because of the receivers that he's had. Or Gronk, because Gronk ain't going nowhere without Tom. (laughs) Exactly. You're only as good as the hand that you're dealt, right? In In terms of cards. So if you've got all aces, go for it. Julio's an ace. Let's be honest. <laughs> Besides the Colts, you have, I'd say the Patriots would definitely be up there into consideration. A hundred percent. But I don't know, because there's obviously the talk of Julio for Gilmore, because I think the Falcons still want to address that secondary a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really see that happening, though. I think they're going to want to look for picks to get younger. 
so that's my biggest issue. I don't know what the Patriots would actually trade away to get Julio Jones. Mind you, giving Cam Newton or Mac Jones, Julio Jones, the Jones to Jones connection, there we go, um, <laughs> would be quite the sight to see. I just, for, for New England, I don't know what it is that they expect to give up and to be able to get away because I can tell you this, it's going to cost more than Nikhil Harry and picks. He also wants to play with Cam, right? Yes. That's a that's, big that's, that's a huge factor in this, though, too. But that offense would be so scary, though, if you have Julio on one side, Nelson Aguilar on the other, you have Bourne kind of rotating in that slot receiver position, and then the two tight ends. Cool. Mm -hmm. That would be dangerous. No backs on the field to spread them out wide. <laughs> no, no, no backs on the field. Just spread everybody out wide and play gun. Play, um, yeah, gun. I see it being a, the AFC East being a lot more um, competitive than it was last year. That's for sure. If this is the case of what's going to happen, have Cam. yeah, a healthy Cam. With, just have Cam playing. Just, yeah. just a healthy Cam that doesn't miss time, gets a full preseason in, uh, full off season in, and um, actually gets the time and doesn't miss time because of COVID. Mm -hmm. like these could all be huge factors into what that could be cam newton's just going to become the hybrid quarterback running back it's just nobody else in the backfield just have cam take off if that exactly and then when you want to play wildcat just let mac jones come in so somebody can still throw the ball i like it <laughs> going from there i've got a familiar face that we could he could um reunite with that over there in san francisco back with kyle shanahan in the niners that would be an interesting de uh, destination, partly because Kittle commands so much attention mm -hmm. on defense that you would get Julio matched up in one-on-one -on -one situations every now and then. That's deadly, especially for Trey Lance, who has a big arm, and he's a very accurate quarterback. Right, and now think about what that could do, potentially, if they don't have to get rid of either Brandon Ayuk or um, Debo, Debo Samuel would open the field up a lot for Debo too. Right. I don't discount Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure like I've heard a lot of players rant and rave and love Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure that this is also on Julio's mind, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of old familiar faces that are calling for him now too. Right. Cause it's not just Kyle Shanahan. You have Derrick Henry down there in Tennessee. Right. Which I'm sure you would hate to face Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and AJ Brown twice a year. By the way, AJ Brown already said, "Hey, if Julio comes here, I'm giving up that 11 jersey. It's all his." Smart man. Oh man, yo, how funny would that be though if Julio Jones goes to the Colts and then Michael Pittman, Pittman gives now? up the no, Michael <laughs> Pittman gives up the 11, but didn't want to give it up to Wentz. Oh, uh, actually, I think it'd be more funny if he said, "Nah," he's just like, "Sorry, this sorry, Julio. my number. Pick earn your, your own number. Earn your own. Yeah. yeah. Oh." <laughs> Or if he told Wentz, he's like, oh, I actually really like number two. <laughs> I don't think Wentz cares. Uh, as we can see, Wentz doesn't really – Wentz seems to be in a good place right now, so I, I think he either welcomes Julio or he's just like, not twice a year. Come on, not twice a year. I, yeah, I think he realizes this could be his last shot at redemption here, so he's kind of – he's got to fully embrace this. We'll see how that goes. But uh, back to Tennessee – would be a great landing spot. I'm going to throw out another team, though. What about the Cardinals? I see D-Hop has been on a recruiting spree trying to get him over there. I imagine they get him, too. Well, one, if they get Julio Jones, that's officially goodbye Larry Fitzgerald. 
Like for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. He's not coming back. That's it. It's a wrap. Right. right. Number two, it's goodbye, Andy Isabella. Yes. <laughs> That's a wrap. He's good and gone. They would just take all the wide receivers and not really care about anything. So <laughs> I'm going to start to wonder at what point are we going to start to see Julio Jones play corner for them? <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna put that one out there you know maybe maybe put d hop out there but yeah, I, say, I, you and, know what i mean yeah him and d hop just going back and forth yeah so. aj green somewhere in the middle juggling like yeah it, it i i don't see it i know you know like we talked about it'd be great to see all your friends together on one team but i don't think that i think we're going to like the overboard limit of like Cliff Kingsbury just being like, no, more receivers, more receivers. You want to know something sad? Cliff Kingsbury probably would still have a losing record. Well. (laughs) 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 You won't get a text message from that one for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like Kingsbury, but he just hasn't. He hasn't really proven that he can win. I mean. It's, Wait, okay, here, here we go. Has he proven that he can't win, or is it Kyler that has proven that he can't win? No, I'm going to say it's Cliff. It's because Cliff? He, Yeah, because Cliff even struggled in, in college, too. Fair, okay. Cliff didn't, Cliff didn't have a winning record in, in college football. That's true. That's a good point as well. His offense was revolutionary um, and kind of changed I, the, the game there, but still. I understand now why Cliff wants all the wide receivers because if he has all these names, he can't really have much of an excuse anymore. Well, that's it, but you know, you still need defense. So yes, yes. it's all great till you lose fifty to fifty-three. Cars fans, don't worry, I still have you guys making the playoffs. Or do I? I we'll I mean, see. We're gonna say that. Tune in in two months from now when we yeah. give our predictions. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, uh, I I don't think the cards are realistic to me, but that's just where I sit with them. Um, they, like us, need to do something about their secondary, so I don't see this one transpiring too much. Okay, I got one last one for you. Okay. Baltimore, Ravens. Hmm. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it from the aspect of that. Part of the the um, magicalness of Julio Jones is what he can do when he's actually catching a ball, and that's a very run-heavy team. I remember talking to a friend of mine who is a Baltimore Ravens fan. And he was like, it's very hard for me to get excited about a wide receiver being drafted because Lamar Jackson and how he runs the ball. Right. So I don't really see Baltimore fitting in. And that's the hard thing to say, but I, I don't know. I just don't like that for Julio Jones, especially, you know, he's going to want to contend. He wants that ring and he's going to want to do that with the rock in his hand. I know he's the ultimate team guy and like a very massive team player, but he's going to want to contribute and push and like as much as he can. I don't think you're going to be using him to his best if he's just blocking. Yeah. Can't disagree with you on that one. I don't necessarily like the fit, but I could see that. I could see the Ravens going above and beyond to get him though. True. I think that they struck out in free agency and they were picking way too high to get an impact wide receiver in the draft. So, well, let's not forget. And I know it's skeptical on his availability, but Sammy Watkins is over there now. Okay. 
I know it's skeptical to his availability, but this is this is another thing to the point of Julio Jones. We've already seen Julio Jones only play nine games last year. Now there's an extra game on the season, and you're already missing one wide receiver for part of the games, and there's a chance you might miss a second one. True. It's hard to get excited about having Sammy Watkins on your team. Right. It really is. First of all, game one, he'll go off. He'll look awesome. And then after that, it's just all downhill from there. That's what it feels like. If a guy couldn't get it done in Kansas City, I don't think get it. I don't think he can get it done anywhere else. And he's he's bounced around from a couple of teams now. Yes. Right. So this is his fourth team now, I believe. Right. And he was a high pick in Buffalo. Yeah. That that didn't work out. Then he went to then he went to the Rams. Right. Oh as, my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. As a number three, and that didn't work out. That was only for one season. Again, he he has flashes, but he's mm-hmm. not a number one. And I wouldn't even say he's a number two receiver. On a on a really good team, he should be a number three. He's a right. three, and that's okay. But don't expect him to put up wide receiver one numbers. Right. That's my Sammy Watkins rant. <laughs> <laughs> I want all uh, the smoke today, man. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. You're on your Kwame Brown shit. I'm all right. I like that. I like that. You got to be like that sometimes, man. I feel like sometimes people, and I've been, I've had this moment too, especially with the Colts when we got Andre Johnson, where we get a receiver and you think he's going to come in and completely dominate and you're super hyped to have this player. The fact of the matter is they can only do so much. And like you said, You've got Lamar Jackson who's throwing him the ball, so that already hinders him. Plus, it's an athlete that has had a history of injuries and hasn't played a full season, I don't think, in his whole career. Temper the expectations a little bit. Just a little bit. But it's also like – like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, Julio's never healthy, but on the right day, he could put up 300 yards and torture defense by himself. Like, it's it's so – it's so yeah. – it's so exactly. left and right. Like, like, I'm talking about Watkins. Julio is a complete different animal. Yes. I mean, the nine games, yes, Julio too has had his injury issues, but he still, you know, like you said, he, he'll still put up those those big numbers. My only issue is still the cap number. I think that's mm-hmm. what it kind of boils down to. This is, do you really want to absorb that cap hit? And 15 mil in the season's a lot on the right. short cap. Do you really want to absorb that cap hit and go through the whole season where injuries may occur, you might need to add somebody, you know, and but the flexibility is not there. And to your point, as you get older and you're playing football, injuries are the things that one of the things that are guaranteed. So those cards are going to continue to add up against him, especially as he gets into his 30s until he decides to hang them up now. So, right. Yeah. And no, I'm right there with you. And I'll just say this besides maybe the Chiefs, when was the last time a, let's say, top five wide receiver in the league? won a super bowl Ooh. um outside of the chiefs because i'm gonna put tyreek hill as a top five receiver it's fair and i can understand why like you can easily make that debate um and if you go let's say you don't like that so take out the take out the chiefs and take out mike evans okay let's just take those two out right now even mike evans like i love mike evans but he disappears too he's had his moments where he's just completely disappeared so, so at least you have, you know, at least they had Gronk. At least they had OJ. OJ Howard yeah. was there for a bit. I don't think he didn't play in the Super Bowl. They had Bray. You had uh, Godwin. You can make an argument Godwin's a better wide receiver than Mike yeah. Evans. 
<laughs> you can make an argument, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just respectfully, saying, I, respectfully, yeah. respectfully. And I, <laughs> I, yeah, and I love Mike Evans. I, to me, Mike Evans, one of my favorite receivers in the in the game right now. But I've had him in fantasy. He disappears yeah. sometimes. Damn, was it really only Jerry who did this by himself? I mean, I've seen this before. Like, you know, there's been receivers who had crazy numbers but just couldn't couldn't get it done. Larry Fitz got all the way to the Super Bowl, couldn't get it done. Randy Moss. Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Julio Jones. Julio Jones got <laughs> yeah. to the Super Bowl. Right. Not his fault that they didn't get it done, but yeah. Well, it's just, if you look at history, it's at, at least recent history, it showed us that spending all this money at the receiver position hasn't been very beneficial. It's spending money on the O-line, the D-line, and you can even maybe throw in the linebacker core. The game is one in the trenches. Absolutely. The game is one in the trenches. Everything mm-hmm. else that happens is a result of the trenches. I'll even one up you on this. <laughs> when was the last time a top running back won a Super Bowl? Reggie with the Saints, but even then, like <laughs> he wasn't a top running. Exactly. He wasn't a top running back no. then. Like yeah, he was in a he was splitting carries, I believe, at that time. Um Todd Gurley went to the Super Bowl number one. Oh, there, he yes. Was, he was on. He was on the back burner of that too. So exactly. Hold on, hold Sean on, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean Alexander's another one too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how do we view Marshawn? Maybe we make. You could maybe make a case for Marshawn. Okay. 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 That's all. That's all. But that's not. Again, that that's not a high list either, right? No, I know. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I understand. There's tears and like whatever and what yeah. have you, but like we can have a discussion one day about Marshawn Lynch and. Well, I'm trying to think of that's that what season. he's done to terrify. <laughs> no, well, I'm thinking even that season, like he was still pretty dominant, though, right? Mm-hmm. You could even make an argument that he was one of the last running backs. Um, so, three, no, three down running backs to win a, to win a championship too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you look, at, and again, this is also skewed because of the Patriots winning so much. <laughs> yes, but, but yeah, it's it's just something that I would like to. I, I need to bring this up because this is a point that, that needs to be made year after year. I fall into the same category as a fan where you get super hyped because you want one of these available dominant players that is yeah. probably the top five in his position. And then they go somewhere and they either fade to irrelevance or they just, the team just doesn't have that success. Or the system's wrong. And when they're drafted, they don't meet the hype too. Like that all, it's all part of the game. Like it happens. Sure. Exactly. Um, and you never know till you're in it. So mm-hmm. for sure. But then again, you never know until you try. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's it. Um, that's a good, great segment on Julio. I like that. That was, that was easy <laughs> for something that was supposed to be short and sweet. And, and for our big discussion with the NBA, which we're about to get into shortly, that was really, really dope. Seriously. June 1st. That's when all the pandemonium is going to hit. And we're definitely, I have a feeling we're going to find out what happens by next week, by June 1st for, Julio Jones specifically, what yep. exactly is going to go down? Yep, I think so too. Let's, let's get into this NBA stuff. So we made our predictions last week. <laughs> some stuff came to fruition, some did not. Stuff we were wrong <laughs> as hell on. Uh, just quick Pacers. thoughts. Yeah, Pacers made some noise. Uh, just quick thoughts on the playing games. Anything that jumped out to you, stood out to you? Um. Are we seeing, is there a trend or something in the league that you want to touch upon? Or So, first of all, I'm sorry for underestimating the Pacers and watching them beat the, 
dog shit out of the fucking hornets. I do, I am too, by the way. We're in the same boat on this one. Um, I was, you know, I'll hold that elf for sure. That's okay. Um, I'm glad to see the Celtics one at least uh, on the Wiz. I just, you know, I, that that matchup's gonna be hell in itself. Like I texted you on Saturday night before game one. Uh, I'm scared as hell for the Celtics versus the Nets, but yeah. Um, sticking with the playing games, you know, Russ came out did his thing, especially. Also, I didn't expect the Warriors to lose like that in that last fashion, in that last game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but you brought up an interesting point, and I'm actually going to let you run ahead and say it first about that style of win. I feel really bad because I can't remember her name. There wasn't an analyst who I was listening to on ESPN, and Perkins and another former NBA player were saying how Golden State's going to win. This is this should be a cakewalk. And she kind of said, pump the brakes a little bit on that. And she, on air, stated that Memphis was going to win. And her reasoning and logic behind it, it ended up being so, so truthful because that's just how the whole like how the whole game played out. She basically said that to have such an emotional victory, sorry, an emotional defeat. And to come back and play against a team that had such an emotional win prior, it's tough to bounce back from that. And basically one team was on a complete crash and one team was on a complete high and Memphis rode, rode that high into the playoffs. And can we talk a little bit more about John Morant? A <laughs> guy has ice in his veins. He wants the ball in, in the tough moments of the game. I feel like we're seeing a growth of a superstar in front of our eyes right now. And I think people need to, you know, take notice on this. I'm not saying he's going to be the best player in basketball or anything like that, but no, but he's ascending to his status of what he should be in the league. Right. Exactly. And I think he needs some attention right now. Um, I'm right there with you. Also, I think it's really great that we can also point out that ever since that cold line of John Moran, I'm on my Grizzly, that John Morant is four and one since that album release. Um, no, he's in his bag, man. Uh, you had him last year for the rookie of the year, one of the yeah. major candidates. As just since he's come into the league, he's taken it by storm. I also have a very hot take that I have been saying for a long time, and Ooh. I will continue to say it. He's going to have a better career than Zion. Oh, wow. Yes, I fully believe that. Hmm. I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, I think longevity is more going to be on his side as well. I think he's a more complete basketball player than Zion. That's but, it? Yeah. He yeah. Has a, I think Zion has maybe a higher ceiling, but... But, but the floors? The floor difference is incredible, and I, I think it's... I think John Morant might end up being the best basketball player in that draft class when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, some people are going to say that's a really hot take to say and it's early but i don't think that's too hot of a take i i'm right there with you i agree with it um it's just the progression in his game has has changed like yeah. i feel like he's improving each game each setback he comes back from like it's just a different level and i don't think it's really zion's fault but just being sheltered in new orleans it's dysfunctional right now that organization i think that's hurting zion and i kind of figured that was going to happen Zion's come out and say it too, man. Like he he's been making it very clear. Hey, I want to play for the Knicks. I want to play for the Knicks. I wanted to be drafted by the Knicks. Like that's where it was supposed to be. But John Morant is so different in what he does. And 
I don't know who to compare him to. Um, there's a lot of rust because of how aggressively he can attack. Good range shooter too. So sky is the limit for this kid. I'm excited to see what he can do if they can actually build around him properly. I know getting him to the playoffs is the first step, but he's going to need help. And this is, by the way, two times now he's been in the playoffs. Stand corrected. Twice. My bad. Yes. Twice he's been in the playoffs. And I've never seen a player at that age. It's not that I haven't seen a player at that, at that age. It's been a while that I've seen a player at that age want the ball in his hands in the pressure moments of a game. Fearless. And the team understands that, and they, they just gravitate towards him. He's 21 years old. Yeah, cater to him, let him, let him do his strengths, and he's what he should be. He's got a little he, dame vibe to him. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I was about to say. It's that, yeah. that dame chip where it's like, it's been telling you this since I got here. It's my time. I want this. Nothing else in the world I want more. Yeah, I just want to give a little shout-out to another player, Dylan Brooks. Yes. Has been amazing so far. From he Mississauga, to- eh? Is he? Really? Yeah, he's, he's from Toronto. Oh, well, there you go. Another one of the Canadian boys getting it done in the playoffs. The guy dropped 31 points yeah. <laughs> last night against Utah. That was That's impressive, man. Watching players lock up. Like, there's not a lot of players you would say – could contain certain athletes. Now, I'm not ever going to say like he contained stuff, but he did damage on the defensive side of the ball to that team. For sure. Absolutely. That was just one of the takeaways that I got out of the playing games. Obviously, another one too. Like you, I ate my words with the Pacers. Boy, did they come out scorching. Well, at the same time, boy, was that another team that came out with a lot of emotion and. That's kind of a bit biased too, because we saw that injury report and we saw how many people were questionable or out. So for them to come out and play the way they did, props to them. And absolutely, hopefully they can build on that success going into next season. So right now, first rounds underway, both East and West. Everybody's played one game as we record this. Yeah. Start in the East. Takeaways from Game One between Milwaukee and Miami. What do you see? Is there any trend that you think is developing. I forgot when Chris Milton can show up, he actually shows up. So (laughs) putting up those points like he did last game and hitting the game winner was huge. As I watch, because even right now, game two is on and it's going on in the background. When's the last time you looked at the score in that game? I just saw it now. Mm. We're going to have to have that discussion too because Milwaukee's uh, whooping ass. the thing that concerns me the most for the Miami Heat right now, I know he's shooting poorly and he's still finding a way to contribute. I'm assuming mostly from the line, but Jimmy Butler shot atrociously. Mm-hmm. That can't continue. Although Depot has that injury history and like, this is where you need Jimmy even more now than before. Right. Um, he can't afford to struggle. Not now, not in this series, not with, you know, a team that's probably felt like they should have been in the big dance probably three of the last four years. Tyler Hero's struggling too right now. Mm -hmm. He's not playing anywhere near the level of basketball that he was playing in the bubble. And I think a little bit of that bubble magic is starting to rub off on a lot of these guys. And I won't say it yet, but Tyler Hero doesn't look like the same player that we saw before. Could be an injury. Give him a benefit of the doubt. Maybe he turns it around the series, but he's struggling now, right now. Kendrick Nunn has been struggling as well. 
Absolutely. If it wasn't for Duncan Robinson last um, in game one, Miami wouldn't have been there either. <laughs> well, that and well, underrated player to shout out is Gordon, Gorgon Dragic. True. Because he put up 25 points on 10 and 17 shooting. True. And he alone outscored the bench production of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. So clearly the issue was with the starters, not the bench, because if I'm running the parallels of the bench, hey, PJ Tucker played 18 minutes, didn't have any points, and finished with two boards on his stat line. Right. Bobby Portis, eight points, four, four boards, zero assists. Connington, two points, four boards, one assist. Like the bench mm-hmm. isn't contributing to them. It's just the starters. Because when I'm looking at Lata Tacumpo with 26, Middleton with 27, Holiday with 20, and then Brooke Lopez with 18. You know, it's it's one of those things that like if your starters aren't going to show up and you're well, if you're Milwaukee and your starters show up in the way that they have, you're not worried too much about your bench. But as the playoffs go off, you're going to need that bench productivity because you're going to burn out we've seen that happen in the past with the bucks now with the heat everybody got to show up another guy too that's i think is just showing his age right now is iggy well iggy and ariza yeah i think both guys are just struggling and they don't look like the same play which is understandable too it's age right but it looks like father time has caught both those guys and, and it's starting to show against milwaukee right now and another player that didn't show up and shot the ball 15 times and only had four field goals. Hey, Bam Adebayo, you need to do better than this right now. This is yeah. Yeah. this is round one. You guys went to the finals last year. You can't be like this, man. You're not now. Your team needs you way too much. And I suspected this when he signed that contract. I said that he's probably going to take a step back. That's the shelf. Maybe it's just that hunger, and now that he's – Sign that contract, he's feeling a little more comfortable and he feels like he has a little more security. There's no security in the NBA, big big fella. That's right. Got to start moving your bum there a little bit. Um, I think that kind of sums up Miami-Milwaukee. I mean, I hope this game that we're watching right now becomes a little bit closer because they're down by 22 last I checked. You talked all that Giannis shit. <laughs> yeah. come back. I know, I know. Hey, guess what? He's still going to lose. He ain't going to win a ring. I'm putting Giannis in that camp of players that don't win a ring. Shout out to – oh, okay, that's a hot take. Yeah. We're full of hot takes today, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) full clip, full clip. Shout out, though, Holiday, killing it. That's a Yeah, I expected that, but (laughs) he's making his presence felt in this series. For sure. All right, let's jump to the next one. It's the the super team versus the Celtics. (laughs) Let's go Nets in Boston. What was your takeaways from game one? I'm kind exactly of kind of what I expected to happen. I mean, there's only so much I can expect out of Boston when I, I understand like this is the opportunity for Jason Tatum to show out like he did in the play-in game, but he's got to do that time and time and time again and doing it against mm-hmm. KD and company. And that's no disrespect to Harden or Irving to call them company because they're just as great as Kevin Durant can be. No, this is just exactly what I predicted. There's nothing really to unshell here other than the team that should probably win this series is going to win this series. Um, Kyrie came out 29 points on 11 to 20 shooting. Like, you can't ask for better than that. Nope. Hey, the biggest thing to me, though, and I, I once again, it's the same thing as I look at them, 
and I look at the Bucks. If the Nets get tired, like to your point that you said that last week, like the only thing that can stop the Nets is injury. Yeah. But if the Nets get tired or injured, like now, that could be detrimental to them. There's no depth. Their bench combined for 11 points. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, and on the opposite side of that, you know, at least Boston's bench combined for 25 points. Keep in mind the Celtics, even being down Jason Brown, they only lost by 11. Yeah, like, which, is, it's which is huge. Commendable. So it tells me, yes, this can go to six very easily. Realistically, no. <laughs> yeah, I think Boston's just, it's either going to be injuries that slow them down or Boston's going to have to play in your face type of basketball where you kind of force, you know, Harden, Kyrie, or Durant to take some unnecessary fouls as well, right? Kind of put them in situations where, just get them in, into that uncomfortable situation, which to be frank, like Boston did in the first uh, first quarter of that game. I mean, they were up 21-16 yeah. after the first quarter. The problem is you can't score 20 points and expect to, in each quarter and expect to beat um, the Brooklyn Nets. You yeah. need to you need to score more than 20. The second that the Brooklyn Nets decide to put their foot on the gas. You have to be able to keep up. You can't get burnt out. You can't get outran by them. You have to be able to contend in that manner because if Harden is gas gas pedaling, Urban gas pedals, Blake decides to gas pedal for old time's sake, and Durant, yes, but guess what? It's a long night. That's that's a quarter's a wrap. Forget it. Hang it up. For sure. Plan for your second half of your game. But they can't play like this because – this isn't even fair. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Philly, Washington. This kind of this game kind of surprised me. Game one was a bit of a shocker to me. Not because Philly won, but yeah, I didn't expect Washington to be in this game like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the one thing that we probably forgot about. Well, what we didn't count about when we're talking about the possibility of Philly, Washington is What's how that? much Bradley Beal hates Joel Embiid. <laughs> they look like they're about to throw fisticuffs every single time they're out there. I I loved I loved Bradley Beal mocking Joel Embiid without when he was calling for a travel and then doing the double back on <laughs> the fake when he hit the layup. Full disclosure, I respect the guy and I get his game, but I am not a huge fan of Joel Embiid. <laughs> I was gonna say, who are we talking about? I'm gonna talk about Bradley Beal. Like no, <laughs> I like I like Beal. I think he's a he's true to his word and I give him a lot of credit for sticking through it and playing in that God awful place known as Washington. Got <laughs> <laughs> me bringing guns to work. Gilbert Arena. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I feel like it's harder and harder for me to cheer for this guy. Every time I watch him play. Do you blame Embiid or do you blame Mr. 15, 15 and six? I blame him more than Ben. Okay. And I think that some of that hate is towards the Toronto series. I think that's kind of where it's. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And full disclosure, him crying after that, I get it, the emotions, everything, but there's a bit of, there's a tad bit of me that I just love to see it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not talking about anybody crying until we get to that Lakers Suns series and we start we'll talking about your man's <laughs> over there, but. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, Ben Simmons, though, 15-15, and then that dreaded six. Weird stat line. 
I guess he's contributing in one way or another. He's definitely dishing the rock and he's pulling down rebounds, but I don't know how to assess this guy, man. I really don't. It looks like he's taking two steps forward in terms of like being a complete player. And then boom, he only puts up six points. It's just strange. Um, Anything of note that you want to highlight? I think it's kind of playing out the way we thought it was going to be a high scoring series where Philly just gets it done. Yeah. I think we're going to see, um, I think this is going to be a, maybe, you know what, maybe this series goes actually to like seven, maybe this series goes to seven, but um, Philly is going to win this series ultimately. Um, and finally, let's talk about the last game in the East game one, Knicks versus Atlanta. If you wanted to experience playoff basketball, that was the game to watch. I find personally, that was an awesome game. It was amazing. Both teams, you could see, really wanted it. Unfortunately, the Knicks came out on the opposite end of what they were, I guess, were expecting. Trey Young, put a little more credit on that name or? Ice Trey. So here are my thoughts Big 32, baby. Big 32. One congratulations to Trey. Huge. That was his that was his playoff debut, I believe, right? I believe so. He came into Madison Square Garden and took the air out of the building, which is no easy feat, especially in playoff basketball, especially with the Knicks team whose bench actually produced a lot, much more than the starters. I mean, Alex Burke's putting up 27 points, Derek Rose putting up 17, uh right. quickly putting up 10. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm the Knicks, I also entertain the thought of, so Julius stays at power forward, but put in Taj Gibson at the center and take out Nerlens Noel and let Nerlens well, Noel come off the bench. Well, Noel was banked up too, right? So true, we'll, see true. How that, we'll see how that plays out. But back to the Hawks, good on Trey. I mean, he dropped 32 and that silencer where he basically shut the crowd up. We got to talk about Bogdanovich, though. 18 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Yeah. 4 of 9 from 3. He was clutched down the stretch, especially with the threes. This is why Milwaukee wanted him. This is exactly why Milwaukee was trying to get him last year. When we were talking about players to watch out for, I completely forgot about this guy. Yeah. Definitely somebody who needs a little more attention. We need to put some respect on that man's name because uh... – we didn't do him the due diligence that he deserved. Um, another person that, you know, I feel like his ears were ringing from prior episodes of ours. Um, yep. Lou Will, uh, Magic City is doing him well over there, apparently. He came out <laughs> put up 13 points on, on the evening off the bench. Um, and also, fits. yeah, what came out after was Lou Will looked at Trey Young and said, don't pass that ball, shoot that shit on the last possession of the game. So... Yeah, no, shout out to Lou Will because apparently he's not far removed. He's embracing that young boy, well, the role of leading the young boys ahead. So congrats to Lou. Congrats to the Hawks in their first win. Sorry, Knicks fans. Um, if anything, if I want to touch one thing I'm optimistic about for the Knicks especially, is their bench production. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. They outproduce the starters to a degree. I, I look forward to the Derrick Rose show continuing in the playoffs. It's not vintage. He is just him. Remember that, guys. All okay. right. West. Let's head west-west, y'all. Yeah, best 
Best in the West. So uh, Portland, Denver. All oh, right, sorry, I, got, I, I jumped on the wrong game. Um, my oh, bad. So Dame Lillard doing what Dame Lillard does. Um, that's no disrespect, just like to Jokic. Uh, just like waving to the crowd. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, Dame coming out, 34, 13 assists, two boards of whatever. That's fine. You don't really need much boards from Dame, but this is crazy. He shot perfect from the free throw line. He was five of twelve for three and ten from twenty-five as a whole shooting on the evening. It's Dame time. Uh, this, this is the same thing as the the Nets Knicks series. That, um, no, the Nets Celtics series, right? Where we kind of established the fact that they lost the Denver Nuggets losing Jamal Murray is going to be more harmful than helpful in this situation, especially right now with Dame looking the way he did. If Dame's Batman, CJ Robin, because yeah. CJ also gave the play. Yeah. So. You know, big night too for CJ McCollum. I expect that to continue. For sure. And, you know, shout out to one of the guys that you called out and said that he's going to be a bigger factor in this series, Carmelo. Yeah, we got to talk about that because I, I want to highlight this. So we, in this episode so specifically, we talked a lot about bench production. Their bench combined for 34 points and only three players played from the bench. Perfect. So Simmons... Anthony Simmons, Carmelo Anthony, and Ennis Cantor. By the right. way, Anthony Simmons and Carmelo Anthony combined for 32 points of those 34. That's playoff basketball. I mean, shorten up, shortening up the bench sometimes helps. It can be a struggle, though, if some of the starters aren't going for Portland. Right. You know, when, um, you get into those, when you get to some foul trouble, you might need to rely on the bench a little bit more, but it was a good first game for them. On the Denver side, I said that Michael Porter Jr. needed to step up, and he definitely did. He absolutely he jumped did. 25. Monte Morris showed up to play. Um, you know, he scored on nice, put in good minutes, 10 points off the bench for himself as well. Jermichael Green, 18 minutes, zero points, and one board and three assists. They're going to need a little bit more production off the rest of the bench. So sure. if you have three players on the bench from Portland scoring 34 points and – you have four players from Denver and they're combining for 20 points. You're not going to win that series if this is the way that this is starting. No, it's unfortunate, but I mean, MVP, yes, I'm saying it now. The MVP had a pretty solid game. I expect okay. that to continue. From Jokic? Yeah, 34, 34 16. points, 16 boards. Yeah. It's so going to be hard for him, though, man. Like, like we said, Jam- uh, Jamal Murray not being there for them hurts like a lot. And unfortunately, there's never a good time to go down, but this was definitely probably the worst of the worst. I mean, they were rolling too before he got hurt as well. And you Uh, already see the drop-off in production between him and now that you have Austin Rivers started. No slight to Austin Rivers. No. I think you're in the league because your dad got you here, but hey. (laughs) Had to take that last shot. Yeah, yeah, of course. Just one last note. Yes. I still think that series is going to go. It's going to be a line you think yeah. it goes the distance? Seven? I don't know if it goes. I have it. At, I had it at seven. I'm going to stick towards it, but definitely six or seven, though. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver wins some scrappy games, but it's going to be a tough one. We'll say that. Okay. I, I like that, though. Um, Clips, Mavericks. This Sorry. game didn't go the way I was expecting it to start off, at least the series. I, mm-hmm. I expected something a little different. Uh, do you want to start this one off here? What was your impression of the um, first of all? Lucas said, did what we said he should do last episode and get that triple double and win. Yep, <laughs> thirty-one points, ten assists, 
uh, 10 boards, 11 assists, sorry. 5-11 shooting, 11-24 as a whole from the field. 5-11 from the three. He got great help from everyone, basically. Przingis put up 14. Tim Hardaway Jr. put up 21. Finney Smith put up 18. Their bench, though, that's going to be – that's another thing. If their bench doesn't start to show up, this isn't going to last. The only reason that they're actually really lucky is because their bench, even though they only put up 23 points, outscored three of the starters on the Clippers who come out to 22. Yeah. Mar- I uh, Mar- Marcus Morris, Zubak, and Pat Beverly all combined for 22 points. Hey, if you go through the rest of the roster, their bench combined for 30 points. Yeah. 32. Sorry. Let me stand corrected there. Serge finished with eight. Rondo finished with 11. Batum finished with 11. Reggie Jackson finished with two. It's going to be, listen, we know we're, we're expecting the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard show. Like we're expecting that. This is the issue. Mm-hmm. Depth, support units, everything matters. Playoff Rondo has to be there. 11 points. Those assist numbers got to get much, much, much higher. But that yes. also canceled the productivity of the other side. Clips did not shoot the ball very well behind the arc. No, they no. shot 27.5% from the threes. Why was one for six? Paul George was two for eight. Marcus Morris was zero for six for three. Dallas shot 47.2%. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah, and Dallas even out-rebounded them. Now, I think we're taking a little bit too much of stock away from just being game one, but definitely some flags if you're a Clippers fan. Well, you know, game one is supposed to almost be the layup if you're playing at home, right? True. I just supposed to be the one you walk away with. I think that the expectations for Rondo to, you know, continuously put up 10 assists and, you know, 20 points on a nightly basis is definitely inaccurate. And that deal that they made for, for Rondo and giving up Lou Will, that might end up coming back to haunt them. Absolutely. Honestly, though, from, if I'm the Clippers, I need the assists more than the points from Rondo. Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I need the assists more than, like, I need you to be the floor general now when you come onto that floor. You need to command the, the offense, and you need to tell everybody where to be on defense. But this is your show. You're supposed to be, hey, what do you need? DeMarcus Cousins to come off the bench and get, get in there? Like, mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do, Clippers. But whew, you can't go out like this. Clips get bounced in the first round. Quiet walk. That option in his contract gets the exercise, yeah. Yeah, it does. Imagine he doubles back to Toronto. I was thinking that. I was also thinking that I think the Heat would be in the market for him too. I I think him going back to Toronto depends on Masai Ujiri. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to leave that alone until we come to that bridge in the offseason if we should see that option exercise. Okay, the fun stuff now. Suns beat the Lakers. Let's just move on from this one. But <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about your mans in them over there? Well, if he would have gotten his eye poked instead of his shoulder now. And hit the uh, middle rim? Listen, Lakers didn't shoot the ball well, especially behind the arc. I came back to bite them in the ass on this one. AD's got to be better. Got to get more production for some of these other guys. I mean, I'm looking at the stat line. Caldwell Pope struggled. He only had seven points. Need more from him. But at the end of the day, it boils down to your two your two superstars, AD and, and LeBron. They need more production from these guys. I get it. They played a couple of days ago in um, 
the play in that play in where like I was saying with the emotions, maybe maybe the emotions took a huge toll and they were very riled up about that whole situation. I guess you can kind of give them a bit of a pass on is that this team hasn't been healthy in a while. So we're going now, I think this is game three or four with a healthy Laker lineup. Let's see what the chemistry starts to be, but kudos to the Suns. They came out and did what the Suns have been doing all year and people don't give them credit for it, And that's play well on defense and score points. So first of all, when Chris Paul got injured early in the game, my heart stopped. I was like, this is not, not now. Like not now. If I've, I've felt bad for Chris Paul because I, I think Chris Paul has also fallen into, I unfortunately that realm of players that like that window's closed on if we'll see him get a ring before he retires. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he came back, but it's more telling to see, yes, Chris Paul came back and sure, he shot three for eight from the field. He only finished with seven points. He had eight assists and four boards. You know what I see when I see a stat line like that and we've been digging up Chris Paul all year and then I look at Devin Booker who had 34 points and I look at DeAndre Ayton who had 21 points on 10 of 11 shooting. Yeah. This is a good young core. Absolutely. And they're not here to play around. They're not afraid. To, they're not going to shy away from this moment. I think last year them missing the playoffs the way that they did I think that was the chip that they actually needed to be like, no, that's it. It's over now. We're going to do this our way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let the young and get a, the right veterans in, you know, bringing in Crowder and Paul and then just Cameron Johnson. Cameron Payne should not have been ejected in that. That I've told you that as soon as it happened. I don't agree with that because. See you later. Just, yeah, but <laughs> should, no, should, that shouldn't have happened. Alex Not Caruso like- instigated that fight. Alex Caruso was the one who should have been injected out of that. No, I understand I, because I think personally, I think everybody should have just been given one tech and then sure. Okay. I could agree it. with that. I can agree I, every, with that. And I'm even like Harold. Why did he run in like that? <laughs> well, I also think Payne kind of flopped a little bit there. He kind of tried to sell that one. Montrose did not have to make contact in running it up to him. No, <laughs> at the same time, too. Like it's not like he like stopped on a whim and just like bulldozed him. Like he oh, put his chest in his shoulder. Yeah, he kind of slowed up. I don't know. A little bit of a little bit of a soccer jump. I'll say um, this for, for both teams though. Both teams need to start shooting the three a little bit better. Both both teams absolutely. struggled quite a bit. Andre Drummond, Montrez Harrell, and Dennis Schroeder shouldn't have the same stat line. That's my biggest takeaway. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna just touch on the big guys. I'm gonna touch on Drummond and Harold uh well Harold and Anthony Davis okay those three guys were outscored in the paint by the Suns yeah if somebody told you that would have happened in game one would you have taken that back the recipe for (laughs) success there doesn't match the Lakers need to need to bang the ball inside they've got capable guys who could who could get it done to get outscored I know it's by eight points, but still, that's that's embarrassing. They're gonna have to definitely gonna have to make some adjustments. It's not gonna be an easy series. I knew it wasn't gonna be easy. I had the Lakers in six. This very well could go to seven. This could easily go to seven. You know what? When I was watching those, well, the one team I didn't want to see the Phoenix Suns play was the LA Lakers. I just didn't think they matched up well. But um, the more that this is gonna go on, the more I can see like. The Suns are ready, man. They're 
they're ready to get through this. Chris Paul has heard enough of the jokes of like being compared to Ron Strickland. <laughs> and what I, I wanted to see Chris Paul beat um, Steph Curry in the, in the playoffs for once. But what a suiting way if he gets the, it would be that much sweeter to him, I think, if he gets the chance to knock off LeBron. There's a reason why multiple teams wanted him even at this age. Yeah. The impact that he brings on and off the court, it's huge. Oh, man, former Rocket players. <laughs> gotta, gotta love him, man. Gotta love oh, him. Houston, so Houston just paying for the sins of the Astros over and over again, man. Watch all these players go through. I mean, I know he has. I know he's not playing in the postseason, but Oladipo left on a playoff team. Ariza left on a playoff, a playoff team. team. Uh, Paul left on a playoff team. Harden left on a playoff team. Russ left on a playoff team. I could keep naming you, man. Covington gone on a playoff yeah. team. PJ Tucker. <laughs> PJ Tucker gone on a playoff team. Yeah, it's crazy. Clint Capella left on a playoff, on a playoff team. team. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Their entire starting line and bench for two years are gone on the playoff teams. Before we even jump into the Utah-Memphis game mm-hmm. one, uh, shout out to Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year, yeah. Want to hear something really cool? Always. I got something for you. The former Laker young core is shining. Right. Clarkson, 2021 sixth man of the year. D'Lo, 2019 NBA All-Star, Ingram, 2020 NBA All-Star, and Randall, 2021 NBA All-Star. And Drew, like we've talked about before, and I've asked you this question, we both have Julius as most improved. Mm-hmm. That's yep. very important to note. I want to also throw this out there. All four guys said that Kobe was a very influential person on their mm-hmm. careers. Absolutely. When? when they were with the Lakers and also as soon as they left the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So Utah, Memphis, let's get into it here. Did that uh, go anywhere near the way you thought it would go? Um, I didn't think it would be this close. Then again, I expected Donovan Mitchell to play. I, and he I, was I, upset about that too. Of course, of course. So now he's already being cleared to play in game two. That's That status is going to be removed. He's going to be going. Um I just want to start with, because I do want to give Memphis their flowers, but I do have to admit the Jazz, the Jazz lost in such a, like, there's only one player I could say that probably wasn't that productive, productive, and that was O'Neal, their small right. forward, because everybody else showed up. Everybody else came to play. Well, I mean, um, you could that Gobert should have Gobert needs to put up a little bit more points than 11. I know sure, he did but, well on the defensive side, sure. but but he put up 11 points on but he only took four shots. So they weren't even looking they weren't even looking at him to be the big scoring option. Even his free throws like he shot 50% from the free throw line. So I'm not worried about Utah. No, me neither. I, I think they're just missing their their guy and when they have um Donovan back Donovan Jaw for the next little while is going to be a great battle. I can't wait to see that. 35%, by the way, from Memphis. Shooting? Shooting three. Shooting the three. three. Yeah. How do they shoot as a whole from the field? 45. Okay. Yeah. So, number one, as bad as Memphis shot from the three, they uh, being it, um, the Jazz shot that much worse. They were 12 for 47. They shot 26%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I, I think it was just a very, lopsided 
game, but points in the paint, Memphis came out on top again, 62 points to 42. Yep. yep. Memphis, to their credit, too, also caused quite a few turnovers. They um, 12 to 3 on steals, 14 to 9 is a total. So the Jazz turned the ball over 14 times. The Memphis Grizzlies only turned it over nine. And obviously, when you win the possession battle of the turnovers, chances are you're going to win that game, too. Uh, it's sure. kind of like winning the board battle, right? Like, it's just one of those things that more time, more possession, more chances for you to put up shots. I keep forgetting how deep the Memphis Grizzly bench is and mm-hmm. looking at the names there. Like, I forgot they had Tyus Jones. I forgot that they had Justice Winslow, who didn't Grayson even Allen. see the court yesterday. So, mm-hmm. um, Grayson Allen, even though I hate Grayson Allen. He's got that Christian I mean, Leitner. I mean, yeah, exactly. We're going to, that's the probably the safe way for me to put it. <laughs> but it's funny because, okay, so you have Leitner, you had Grayson Allen, and some people really don't like J.J. Redick. Oh, yeah. Well, J.J. Redick kind of falls into that club a little bit too, but I, I like J.J. Redick. I like J.J. Redick. I wonder why, though. <laughs> I wonder what this is all about. White guys from Duke, man. <laughs> I think Duke broke too many people's hearts. <laughs> white white guys from Duke, man. What do you expect? Grayson <laughs> Allen was kicking so many nuts. Christian Leitner stepped on somebody's chest. Like, JJ's just there. <laughs> JJ's just a casualty of war. Because like everybody loves that, actually likes JJ that you see. I expect the Utah Jazz to come back and kind of dominate the next, um, what, three games. I'm expecting sure. them to be a lot better. Um, I think that they do come back as well. I think that I think Donovan Mitchell has a big game on his comeback unless they decide to put him on minute restrictions. But I do think that I don't think it's going to be. I think I think Jaw versus Donovan is going to dictate a lot more of the series than we're probably even giving credit to it. Like I keep saying, these young guys, man, they're all. They're all sorry. They're all grasping at getting into that prime stage of their career where they're going to be difference makers. And I love the fact that all these guys can do it at both sides of the of the court too. I sure. mean, maybe not trade, but the other guys can. Yeah. So uh, that takes care of our playoffs. Do we do we yeah. do we redo our predictions for round one? No, no. We stick to it. Okay. We'll stick to it. I mean, listen, it's only game one. Fair. I mean, obviously, it's not going the way we expected it, but it's only game one. Um, and who knows? I mean, next recording, or by the time this even comes out, playoff series could look quite a bit differently For sure. than what they are. Right Listen, now. I still got the heat in seven, so I'm right on track. It's fine with me. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Cool. So does this uh, wrap up? you have any last words? Or Go notes? check out the DMX album on Friday. Friday, baby. Friday. DMX yeah. Friday. That's my biggest thing. Um, once again, shout out to Cole. <laughs> this is his yeah. year. Um, I'll say it. Um, Cole, album of the year. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot, there's a lot more coming. There's a lot more coming. Right now, Cole has an album of the year. I can't disagree with you right now. I mean, until I see somebody actually drop an album. Tell you. That's oh. what I was going to tell you. So I was watching, because little tidbits about the album are coming, coming out more and more now, right? Right. And um, this is really key to me because I saw 
the story of how he made Amari. Okay. And so he's going around YouTube because he's like, oh, I like, I like to watch like Twitch streams that have already been recorded because he, but he watches them of like Timberland and like Timberland producing beats and whatever, whatever, right? Right. So Timberland put out the beat of Amari on YouTube. So Cole's like, I should hit him when I have something. I don't want to hit him right away. I'm going to do some of the song first. And then when I need the original stems and yada, 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 like that's when I'll hit him, right? I'll hit him up for it, yeah. So he's working, he's working, he's working. Um, and he got about 90% of the song done. And then yeah. he's like, now I should send it to Timbaland and ask for the originals. So he did that and he hit Timberland and Timberland was like, yo, I didn't save that beat. So he had to recreate the instrumental for Amari to do it. Oh man. Yikes. That's that's my hip hop fun fact for y'all. That's like, oh man, that's like writing a paper. And then just before you print it, you forget to hit save and you lose everything. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, that's my story on that. Um, So key takeaway of this, people hit save for everything. Save everything. (laughs) Oh, and if you guys are a fan of soundtracks and original soundtracks, the Above the Rim soundtrack is now on DSPs. If you don't know what a DSP is, it's a digital streaming platform. Exactly. Get it done. Including the original version of pain by tupac i think we should uh, finish it up here let's wrap it up all right so wrap. we out of here two, two on behalf of two point culture we out peace